Okay, good morning. Caitlin, who's read, who's reading today? Bree, come on! I knew it was, I knew it was I was just having a brain malfunction. Come on up. We guys welcome up Bree. She's gonna read our passage this morning. Genesis eleven twenty seven. 27. Uh, this is the account of Terah. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. While his father, Terah, was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans in the land of his birth. Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was barren. She had no children. Terah took his son Abram, his, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai and his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Thank you. This is God's word. <clears throat> if you're new with us this morning, welcome to church, welcome to the bridge, we are uh, we're pumped that you're here, and I always think that it's an honor for someone if they're checking out church or trying to, um, under, you know, understand Christianity and Jesus a little bit more, that they would give us uh, a chance on a Sunday, and you would choose to do that exploring here. I always think it's uh, really cool. Um, I hear Kathy walking. <laughs> God bless Kathy. Lord, thank you for her. Amen. She's the best, dude. She's been ride or die from the beginning. She's been, since, since the very first, she's been going to the bridge longer than me. Um, so anyways, this is what we've been doing as a church. We're in the book of Genesis. And in the book of Genesis are kind of, we do sort of series is here. I like to think of big chunks of scripture and then kind of like, what is the theme? What is it that God is conveying in this? And so we've been talking about the beginnings, kind of the beginnings of all things. We looked at the beginning of the world as we know it, creation and the beginning of relationships between uh, mankind, human beings and God, um, the earth and God the earth and, and human beings and between man and woman and, um, and then kind of the relationship between the serpent and mankind and how sin entered the world and, 
and now just, that's, that's the first three chapters of the Bible. But then you move all the way throughout the Bible, and the, this is the life that we are introduced, this life that God had a, an original design in the beginning, and it was good, and it was for our flourishing. And then something happened. We were enticed by the, the idea that we don't need God, that we can live this life of, of fullness on our own. And we can't, and it brings destruction. And then you just kind of look at that throughout Scripture, and one day God will redeem all things completely to himself, and he will reintroduce Eden, this place of his physical presence with us, and then he will, re he will bring, instead of casting us out of Eden by his grace and through Jesus that we were just singing about, he will bring Eden back and create all things anew for us to be with him. And then you got 66 books of the Bible, 40-something authors, a couple thousand years of this story of talking about what it is. And so today, I tell you what, let me pray, and then we'll get into today's uh, message. Lord, thank you for this morning. I was really blessed by those things that we were singing. And... Um, we do praise you together. We do, um, like those shepherds, uh, we want to be quick to give you glory and give you praise. So, Lord, we do that right now. Um, we're here. Yes, this is an amazing church. There's rad people here that we get to do life with and connect, but we're here because of you. And so we ask that you would speak to us uh, this morning. And above all, Lord, would you just be, like, blessed um, to know that there is people gathering in many different places today that just want to bring you honor and glory. And um, so, Lord, we love you. We thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So the first 11 chapters of, of Genesis, it's a lot of, about events that were happening. I don't know if you guys remember, but on the very first message when we got into Genesis, I said, if we wrote Genesis, we would do it backwards from God. We would spend this much of it talking about the people and this much of it talking about the events. Would you sit down? This, uh, for those watching online, this, that's a, you, gotta, you need to do a been there moment. Um, they'll be like, what are you talking about? So we would, we would say like, oh, I wish God would have spent 10 chapters talking exactly about the seven days of creation. Wish he would have spent all this time. Instead, he, the author breezes through some of these big things that we've been debating about for years, and we realize oh, that must have not been the main point of what was being talked about. And then we get it to chapter 12, and we have a huge shift, which is what was read this morning. The huge shift in the story is instead of focusing on events, God is going to focus on people. And the amount of detail in which people's lives get focused on are, well, it depends on if you're the person with that's getting the amount of, focus and attention to detail on your life. It's, it's, um, 
It's pretty phenomenal, actually. We've been looking at the world, and last year we focused on the world system, namely Babylon. And if you were here last week, we talked about Babylon as a place. Yes, it was a place then, it's a place now, because it's not just a physical place, it's a spiritual place. Babylon is a power. It has a ruler. It was a kingdom that was built, and it's a kingdom that exists today, and the ruler uh, the Bible calls the ruler of this age, the prince of this world. But it was, and this, this is the ruler and, and authorities that we wrestle against, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against powers and principalities of darkness. And, and the third thing we talked about is Babylon is a, is a problem. It was a problem then. It's been a problem all along. It's a problem now. And it's a problem that will be done away with but it's a problem that we have to navigate. So that was the world system. Now this morning we're looking at a shift, a shift from the world system to God's system, the kingdom of God. We see now not how Babylon works in people's lives, but how God is going to choose to start to work in people's lives. So this morning my message, our message is called From Babylon to Blessing. From Babylon to Blessing. Let's look at chapter 12, verse 1. I had Bree read some, some lines before chapter 12 started because Abram's story doesn't just start. It's a continuation of what God had been doing in his family, in his past. And when Babylon was, when, when God came and confused their language and people scattered, they were east of Eden, his family went still further east to Ur the land of Ur, of the Chaldeans. It's like you read these, these, it's like you're reading, it's so foreign to us, but it was, this it wasn't written to us. And so people were new, like, oh yeah, knew exactly where that was. And there was this place of, of Ur. But then you get to chapter 12, verse one, and it says, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your peop from your people, and your father's household to a land I will show you. Now, I don't know if you've read Genesis much before, if you've read this account much before, but that's a verse that's worth at least underlining or putting a little star in your margin. It's worth thinking about. See, it's easy to take a life or a story. We say there's a story in the Bible. It's, it's common language for us, but this is a person. This is a life. This is someone that God did something with, worked in their life, and we look at it as, oh, have you heard the story of? It's easy to take a life or a story in the Bible, and then I've been guilty of this, I'm sure, because we want to help as pastors and teachers, but it's easy to take a life or what God has done we take it, we read it, we draw a few principles from it, a few life principles from it, and then we're done. We move on. We draw a few moral principles like do this, don't do that, and then we move on. But what happens is when we relate to people in Scripture this way, what can, what can happen is our lives with God can become transactional. Here's what I mean. Lord, if I do this, you'll do this, right? 
That's what, that's what the principle we learned in, with Abraham. Abram at this point, he gets renamed. We'll get there. Um, or, God, I did this, so now you're supposed to do this. That's what walking with God is. If I do this, he'll do that. If I don't do that, then he'll do this. But the thing is, is when you really look deeply into these people's lives, into the people's lives that scripture spends so much time on, while it is good to draw principles, we see that it's a bit more complex than a few transactions. There's a bit more going on in their lives and in their world. The characters are a bit more colorful than you might have originally thought. They aren't quite as put together as maybe some of us grew up thinking. Their lives have a few more valleys than they do mountaintops. They have times of crisis. They have severe times of doubt. When you've lived a certain way for a long time with life centered around yourself, like Babylon, and then God begins to do a work in your life. You may feel like how Abram was feeling, and now there's some words for it. It says that God was calling him from a place. But you don't know that God is calling you. I remember for years I was so stressed out if God had called me to be a pastor because it was like this test I had to pass. Are you sure God has called you? Are you sure God has called you? I'm like, I don't know. Do you, is there like, do I get a text message? Is there an email? It's just God was doing something in my heart, and I would take a step toward it. And as I did, more would unfold, and more would happen than I'd take it. But it's a, it's a, it's a process of faith. So maybe some of you feel like that. You feel like God has begun to do a work in your life. You, don't, you may not even know him yet. Or you believe in God, but you would, you know, as, the, as we as Christians would say, you, have not, you don't yet have a relationship with him. It's kind of not like this. You, you know of him, but you don't know him. But now there's some inner turmoil that wasn't there, and you don't necessarily know what to do. Or perhaps you can relate to the scenario we talked about last week where you literally tried to make a name for yourself, whether it be around a job or an identity, a profession, a hobby, fill in the blank. You've tried to make a name for yourself, and it led you, you were led where your desires wanted to lead you, and you found yourself literally at the bottom. It's a very common thing. People are like, they built themselves up here, and when they reach this point, you hear it all the time, I had never felt so alone. I had never felt so broken. I had never felt so over life even sometimes. Maybe some of you can relate to that, or maybe there's some of you today, you've been walking with God for years. You know him. You know his word. You've experienced his grace. You're a Jesus person. The reason I talk about, and I kind of three groups of people, hopefully in one of those, you can, you can see some part of your story. Because the lesson here, what we're talking about today, is the same for all of us. There are things, as God is calling us to himself, there are things that God is calling us to walk away from, and there are some things that God is calling us to walk towards. Let me say that again. There are things that God is calling us to walk away from, like Abram. And there are some things that God is calling us to walk towards. That's what God is telling Abram 
in that, pa- in that first verse. Can I read it again? The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, from your people and your father's household to a land I will show you. God is calling him to walk away from a couple of things and then walk towards something. So I just want to step through what that is. Look at what he says. He, he tells him to leave two things. There are two things he said to, the, to him that are no longer to be the focus or center of your life. You need to start, start taking steps away from those things. They are no longer to be the center of you. The first one was to leave his country. This was Ur, so we see it, Ur of the Chaldeans, and he's going to take him to another place. He was in the middle of Babylon. He actually had to pass back through where the Tower of Babel was and go, and we're talking, this is a 600-mile journey altogether by foot, step by step. He was supposed to start taking steps away from this country but also this state of life being centered around himself, his family. He says, I want you to leave your country and your homeland and your family. This sort of this sense of the second thing was to leave his people, his father's household, it says. That's his identity. So it's not just to leave where he grew up, but to start taking steps away from how he grew up. Not just a physical place, but an inner place as well. Basically, he's saying, I want you to leave what you know, what has always been familiar. Look at what God says to Abraham next. So he says to him, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you. Verse 2, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all of the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. See, God wasn't just asking Abraham to leave some things. He was asking him to move towards some things. He wasn't just asking him to leave his identity, but to discover a new one. There's always this sense that God is calling us from an identity that we have on our own to one that he will give us. That's this, this, this process of transformation. You know, becoming a Christian and a Jesus follower, it's not as like mystical as people make it out to be. It's like... A, Sometimes it's made so impossible, you're always wondering, well, did I do it? Did it, am I, are you, are you in there, God? Can you, can you see the Holy Spirit in, me, in my heart? We make it talking to God, hearing from God, following God, like this thing that you're like, I, did I, didn't I, did I, didn't I? But God is, this is, this is the process of what's happening. God is always, do, are you noticing yourself moving away from an identity where you are at the center? Where you're the captain of your ship. Where life is about what you can get out of it. 
you're at the center. Are you moving to a place where you're like, Lord, what do you want to do? God, what does your word say? God, what are you, you're, you're doing these things in my heart where I kind of feel torn. Like that, that almost feels like that's not as much a part of me as it once was. And, and I feel like I don't want this part of my life to be part of me. And I'm feeling like there's some things that could be new. There's some things that could bring life. And, I, and I'm feeling part of me. And so we just say, Lord. And so we start taking steps away from these things and start taking steps towards the Lord. For all of us, God is calling us always, always, always calling us from an identity that we have on our own to an identity that he wants to give to us. So what was Abram and his wife and their family moving towards? So they were stepping away from this. Now, for some of you, walking away from the past is hard. Um, for some of us, it's easier than others because if your past was a, is a place of pain and people taking advantage of you, then a lot of times it's easy to physically leave the place, but we take the scars and we take the hurt and we take the stuff with us. But there can be a sense of God allowing those things to pass away from you, that old identity. You know, I remember, I remember in high school, I had a butt mess bothering me. I remember in high school, even younger than that, when my friends would go home and they would smell like cigarettes, <coughs> their parents would be mad. Why do you, you smell like cigarettes? But it, the easiest way for them to hide the fact that they were smoking was they would go, oh, I was with JJ. Oh. But their parents liked me, so they would go, oh, yeah. I was considered by some to be bad news. A person that they didn't want me to be around uh, their kids. And that actually hurt because I thought I'm like, I'm like a nice person. But you know it's crazy when the when the life that you build around yourself doesn't just affect you, but people it starts to have an impact on others the hurt and the stuff that you're carrying with. I remember when my life changed, when I gave my life to Jesus, there were people in my life that said stuff to me like, I was scared of you, especially the girls that I knew, that I thought we were like buddies. And they were like, they, they were like dude, we were, we were sort of scared of you. I'm like, why? And they're like, we kind of never knew which, which JJ we were going to get if you were going to be happy and in a good mood, or if you were just going to like be so sharp with your tongue, it would really hurt. I guess I used to really hurt people with the things that I said, and God wanted me to bless people and build people up with the things that came out of my mouth. But, you know, when it, things were used for me, I built myself up by putting others down. But God started leading me in a new way. And I know that he's doing that for you as well. So what were they moving towards? Because it's hard to just leave something. You have to have a goal. 
You have to have a process. It's what God is calling him to do. So what did he give him a focus to move towards? Let's look at this. First thing was this, a place that would bless him. You know, we think we know what's best for us. That's the first and biggest sin in the Bible. That was the place that the devil met Eve and, and, and tempted her, that she actually knew what was best. And then, and with Adam as well, that they were just like, we know what is best for us. There are people in this world, many people, even some of us that are in the church and been around for a while, it's like we actually think we know what's best. But God actually says he has a place that will bless us. I don't know if you know this. God wants to bless you. He doesn't want to pound you into the ground. He doesn't want to make you look like a fool in front of the world. He actually wants to bless you. He wants good things for your life and for your family. And we don't we all want this? We want God to bless us. That's why we say stuff, but we don't exactly know how it turns out, so we say stuff like, I do this all the time when we pray with people after church. It's just like, hey, how can we pray for you? And, and here's a very common prayer request. Would you, I, I want to know what God wants me to do. God, please show me what I'm supposed to do. Give me this place of blessing. Like if I do these, because we're kind of wired with this transactional walk with God. If I do this stuff and people, your hearts are, people's hearts are moving toward God. But the words we use are just tell me what to do. So God will bless me and be happy with me. And I won't be so uh, in here. Get me to this place of blessing. But we see at the very beginning when God calls Abram, the point is, and you trace it throughout scripture, and I want you to get it for your life and for mine. The point and the big idea here and throughout the Bible is as we walk with him, we experience blessing in the place we're in, not just a place we feel we need to get to. Yes, God wants to bless you. He wants you to experience his good, the good things he has for you. But you don't have to get yourself to a place. He wants to bless you in the place that you're in. So that's the first thing you wanted to get him to, a place that will bless him. The second thing that he was stepping towards, walking towards, was a purpose bigger than him. God wants to make you a part of a purpose bigger than you. Did you see where he says, I will make you into a great nation? God bless us. A purpose bigger than himself. God will make you into a great nation. That's always a crazy thing. He's like, okay, Abram, this is what I want for you to do. Here's where you are. Here's where you grew up. Here's your whole story. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Follow me, and I'm going to do this. That's the point from Babylon to blessing. There's a transition happening. I will make you into a great nation. When God is revealing his purposes in our lives, we see that we are not where we once were, 
and we are not yet where we will be. Have you ever noticed that? It's actually a good practice. When you feel like you have so far to go still, I heard this years ago, and it just stuck with me. And there's this sense of you think about either your childhood or for me, I think about when I gave my life to Jesus. I was 17 years old. And I forget to look back to that place sometimes because I'm old now, er, older now. Like I almost have a 17-year-old son, and I see his life, and then I see my life at his age, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, Lord, you've done so much. But we forget what God has done sometimes until we look back. I always think that that a life of faith is like driving. You're driving down the road. The windshield is faith. I'm going that way. You're looking out for stuff. Me and Ollie were driving yesterday, and a bird flew into the side of our truck. That bird was not looking out the windshield. That just came to me. But we were driving. When you're driving, you're looking out the front. That's where I'm going. You have plans. You have a destination in mind. You're going that way. Oftentimes, God's faithfulness is in the rear view. You have to look back and see what he's done. But your, our focus is faith. We're moving forward. If you live in the rear view, you're going to get in a wreck or you're going to miss where you're supposed to go. But we're always looking forward. But you got to look back sometimes. We are not yet where we will be, life of faith. But we have to know that we are not yet where we once were when God, and you have to know that you have a long ways to go in life. God is doing things. But if you look back, you're like, dang. I think for all of us, you look back, you've come farther than you think probably. That's the whole point. The purpose was for God to, is telling Abram, Don't just focus on where you're going, focus on who you're becoming. I think for a lot of us now, we are so in this world that is results-driven. I call them the metrics of Babylon. It's what Babylon used to measure things. How big is it? How tall is it? How much did it cost? How many people did you have in your employment to build? Everything was measurable, but a life of faith, you can't use those metrics because God is doing a transformative thing from the inside, it's hard to measure. It's hard to measure, especially within yourself. You see it more in others' lives. So those of us that are not yet where you know you're supposed to be, but you know that you're not where you once were, I believe the encouragement for us here is to don't focus on where you're going. Let your focus be on who am I becoming. And the third thing he was leading them to was a place that would bless him, a purpose that was bigger than him. And the third thing was a people that would come from him. Verse 4, so Abram went. I love this. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Lot was his nephew. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Now, if you look at a map, if you have Bibles, this is a little, there's so much in here for a Sunday morning, you got to sort of like, we'll cover this. 
But Haran is halfway to where God called him to go. So Ur the Chaldeans. So if you look, imagine the Euphrates River runs down. This is like Iraq zone. And it runs down. Babylon was down in there. If you have a Bible like that's your own, just look on the back pages. There's usually maps. And then you can kind of see. One of them will call, say like the land of the patriarchs or something. You can kind of see the old world, right? So in the very down in the, in, the, in the bottom right, there's this, it says Ur. And so then Ur, and then if you go straight across the, is that the Sahara? What desert would that have been? Like Supernar Desert. Straight across all the way, you hit the Mediterranean Sea. That's where Israel is, okay? So the, the path of le least resistance would have been straight across the desert. But Abraham's um, dad led them from Haran, so God called him, led him from Ur up the, they just followed the river because they're, they feel like this is the best way. They're using their own brain. So don't feel like you, life of faith means don't think. So they, they follow the river and they get to Haran, but it says they got there, it was halfway, and that's where they settled. And they lived out the rest of Abram's dad's life there. And then that's where it says Haran died. It was in that place in Haran where God said, Abram, now it's your turn. The point is this. God isn't calling us halfway. He's picking up in you what he has maybe begun in your family. Some of, some of you were raised in amazing homes. I hope that's the story for my kids. I hope they look back and they're like, dude, it was awesome. My dad was weird, but it was cool. <laughs> but they too will have to pick up their turn, their mantle, and keep going to what God is calling them. And he's going to call them to walk away from some things in their own life. But he's going to be calling them to step towards some things in their own life as well. The last one was this, not just a purpose bigger than Abraham, Abram, but also a people that would come from him. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He was an old man by then. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions that ha they had accumulated, and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. As you keep reading in the chapter, maybe you can do it this week, you can see what he did. First thing he did was build altars and worship God. But did you notice that God wanted to use Abram to bless other people? His family and other people wanted to follow his lead. It seems that in his time in Haran, he didn't purchase people the way he lived, what God was doing in his life, had an effect on others. And when he was called to go, people wanted to follow him. His life made a difference in his community. People said, I want what he has. And when he was calling, he's like, we're going to this place. We're following God to this place of blessing, of plenty, of identity. That's where I'm moving. People said, can I go with you? That's the idea of a person who is filled with light, who is marked by God, who is living for God. There's this sense of 
I want that. We're going to walk together. His family and other people wanted to follow his lead. One of my favorite stories, uh, it's this little verse. It actually comes from Abraham's, I call him Abraham. He gets renamed, and then he goes but for Abraham, his father Abraham, who had many sons, not Abram. Um, so that's why I keep mixing up his name. Some of you got that joke. Most of you didn't, and that's okay. I'm just going to keep going. One, of my, one example that, that I love and something that I, God has spoken to me, and I use this in my life all the time. Here's the, I'll give you the term first. And being on my way, God led me. And being on my way, God led me. It actually comes from Abra, Abraham's servant when Abram was even older. Turns out Abraham is going to be uh, the father of this nation. And it's going to come from his wife who was barren. Did you guys catch that little verse in there? And him when he's 100 years old and she's 90, like it's impossible. But they keep walking by faith and then God does the impossible. It's like this whole thing that happens when you walk with God. And then right before he dies, he sends his servant. He's like, yo, go find. Uh, he asks him to go out from what he knows to a place of faith where God's going to provide a wife for his son Isaac. He's like, will you go out and do this? So, that, so the servant goes out, and he gets to this place, traveling through the desert. It's hot. He's tired. He gets to this well. He looks over, and there's this beautiful woman there. He's like, dear Lord, please let this be her. Turns out it was her. But then he goes to the father's house, and this is what he says. They're like, how did you know to look here? It's so random. And he says, well, as I was on my way, God led me. Do you understand? That's the life of faith. And God just, he just gave that to my heart years ago, and I've just been using it, which means I need to be on my way. I'm putting one foot in front of the other, and I'm walking away from who I was, and I'm walking towards who God is, and he's doing stuff. And I just keep saying, and I'm just, and being on my way, God led me. We as a church, and being on our way, God is leading us. You as a family and being on your way, God is leading you. So I don't know how your story reads, but sometimes it's easy to look around and be like, how is my presence? Are people blessed by my presence? Are people blessed by the existence of this church, this group of people? Are we people in process that are walking towards stuff that people are like, man, you know, maybe not that guy who left. Maybe he's upset. But you know what? He's also in process and just trying to figure some stuff out. And when we realize we are too, it allows us to have grace for people that may not be in the same place. As a matter of fact, it even allows us to not just be like, ah, with people, but just to be like, yo, man, I understand. That's just life. All right. So in conclusion. In case you haven't caught it yet, God is calling you on a journey. There are things God is calling you to walk away from and things he's asking you to walk towards. Yes, God had a place for Adam, but you need to know this. God is as interested about the path as he is the place. He's as interested about the steps you're taking as the place he's going to get you. You have a path to walk. Doesn't that why, doesn't it make so much more sense when Jesus says, 
I am, he doesn't say I am the place. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. You know what the early church was called? They weren't called the early church. They weren't like, hey, welcome to the early church this morning. So glad you could join us. They were actually named by the outside world. Christians was kind of a derogatory term, but they wore it with honor. It's like a nickname that you're like, yeah, I may be a little big, and people may call me tiny, but I like it. <laughs> they, their name was Christians. They're little Jesuses. But you know what they called themselves? They called themselves the way, not the destination. They were just people of process that were following Jesus. They, they knew this story of Abram really well. They were like, we're like that. God is calling us to a heavenly place in him, and we're following him, and we're in process. Yeah, we're not where we once were. Yeah, we have bumbles along the way. That's the thing. God is calling you on a journey. It takes time. Walking with Jesus is like a road that unfolds in front of you as you walk it. It's not a map that you get where you're like, oh, yeah, sweet. God's like, let's roll. I'm going to show you some stuff. Do you trust me? That's faith. It takes other people's stories, like the, the life group thing that was talked about up here. Like, we think that's important because you sometimes realize what God is doing in your life when you hear what God is doing in other people's lives. Am I alone, or does anyone else? You guys know what I'm talking about? I don't have time to go into it, but read his wife's story. They were married before they found faith. She was already barren. Could you imagine the pressure on her when it was like, oh, apparently we're going to have a child. God says. For her to be like, dude, get out of here with that stuff. We've been trying to have, oh, God says we're going to have a kid. But God was working in her life because she got to the point when she heard that, she wasn't like, whatever. There was this, this joy in her that bubbled over so much that she was laughing with like, could God really do such a thing? It takes other people's stories. And it takes faith, you guys. God's path is the opposite of Babylon, where a person sits and builds their life around themselves and their self-sufficiency. We're actually called to build other people up. So as we come into this Christmas season and just where we're at, I feel for each of us, we just need to know that we do not need to be people who follow Jesus that know everything. I just think that that, that is a little tired in our world. We don't need to be known. That was Babylon. They knew everything. They knew how to build the dopest stuff. They knew how to build the biggest stuff. They knew, they knew, they knew. We need to be known by the world by not what we know, but what we're learning from God. We're disciples. We're students. We're constantly learning. Don't feel like you have to know everything. Our, my encouragement to you is be a person who is learning to walk with God, learning the next step of faith. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for this. Uh, Lord, bless you. May the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you 
and give you peace. So God bless you guys. Have a good week. May uh, you know that what God has begun